everybody. Welcome back to the PBSL Podcast. My name's Armand. I'm Jessica. I'm Jade. And I'm Mira. And we are all Planet Blue student leaders here at the University of Michigan. Uh, Jessica, do you want to tell us a little bit about what Planet Blue student leaders are and uh, what we do? Yeah, sure. So uh, as Planet Blue student leaders, we're all part, uh, we have four different behavior change campaigns uh, that we work on. So we have a waste management team, a water team, an off-campus housing team, and an energy team. And uh, throughout the year, um, we do lots of other side projects, but our main goal is to work on this behavior change throughout the year. And so if we all want to go around and... I'm on the waste team, for example. Uh, What team are you guys on? I am on the water team. Uh, I'm part of the energy team. I'm also on the water team. Go water team. Yeah. (laughs) And I guess, uh, Armand, uh, regarding our trivia question from last week, care to refresh us and give us the answer? Yeah, so we played a trivia game last week, if you missed it, uh, One Truth and Two Lies. Um, and <laughs> the answer to that uh, was the truth is that owls technically do not have eyeballs. 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 Insane. Very specific. Eyes. They have eyes, <laughs> but they're not spherical. <laughs> They are apparently tube-shaped, and they're held by bones, and it's the reason why owls have to rotate their heads all the way around to see things um, and don't have that ability, that, that joint, basically, where the little capsule where, they, uh, where the spheres can move. And so it's very specific truth, but it is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Animal kingdom is wild. <laughs> well, I guess on the topic of uh, behavior change campaigns, our subject for today's episode is going to be about how, as college students, specifically college students at the U- University of Michigan, but anyone interested in sustainability, really, what you can do as an individual person to help save the, help save the planet. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember when talking about sustainability, like some of the biggest impacts on the environment come from infrastructure, come from multi-billion dollar corporations. Um, But I think focusing on your own behavior as an individual is not totally inconsequential. Yeah, I think as uh, college students especially with um, obviously not out in the real world yet, we have uh, a limited power in that degree, but making the sort of micro-sustainability behaviors um, and the small behavior adjustments is an important first step towards reaching a a climate and a sustainable future goals. Absolutely. I think um, if if enough of us um, come together and, like, share our voices, I do think, like, we can make um, differences in terms of student behavior and the university's infrastructure, so. Definitely. one person can change the world, and that uh, one person can start a domino effect with that. I also think um, a lot of college campuses are actually making efforts towards becoming more green and sustainable. Um, but as students, I think it's our responsibility to take advantage of those programs because they are out For there. Sure. Um, especially at the University of Michigan, we see them <laughs> everywhere, and uh, we do see efforts by the university. And now um, the responsibility shifts back to us on whether we're going um, to, you know, take advantage of those things. Um. Just going straight in, I think something we wanted to talk about first was a sustainability mindset. So um, this is something that I've kind of been reading about in the past few days. And I think the most important thing to remember when thinking about sustainability is 
it seems so much about what we can't have. Like, we have to stop um, drinking different kinds of milk. We have to stop using this kind of car. And, you know, that really seems to upset people. And sustainability is almost a mindset of can't have. But um, a lot of things that I've been reading have been talking about how, um, you know, you should make sure you replace deprivation with joy. Like, you should be... Like, sustainability is about the things, like, you can have, the things you do have, um, at the risk of sounding corny. So, mm. <laughs> um, so I read, I saw this thing on Polly Bark's blog, who is an environmental blogger, and so they wrote, make sure you replace deprivation with joy, especially if you live with other people that aren't quite as motivated as you. Living sustainably can often feel like it's just a lot of no's and can't haves. Instead, try to have a positive alternative for each thing you remove. So this example is kind of interesting. Example, no more child labor chocolate, fresh homemade cookies or tarts instead. Uh, no matter how devoted you are, no one needs to be suffering to prove how eco-friendly they are. I mean, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I, I might have something to build off of that. Yeah. I was looking at sort of fashion stuff over the past few days, and mm -hmm. I came across this triangle. might be hard to describe over a podcast, but <laughs> basically it's this triangle split into six parts, and the bottom, the base part of the triangle that is really, really important is, like, use what you have. Mm -hmm. So I think building off what Mira said, you should just, like, the first thing that you should really do in order to, like, have a sustainable mindset, you don't have to be, like, seeking these things. It's really about, like, being grateful for what you do have and using the resources you do have. And, like, not even just, like, a mindset, but building into the more sustainable part. Like, by using what you do have, you're not, like, showing a demand for things to be made and you're also not, like, going and getting things that are made that have, like, a large impact on the environment. Like... Cotton t-shirts and jeans. <laughs> Absolutely. I really love what you just said, because I feel like it really connects to consumerism, because there's, mm -hmm. like, this idea, like, oh, you need to go out and buy all of these eco-friendly things, which is, like, right. so not true. It's more eco-friendly to keep using what mm -hmm. you already have. Yeah. So, for sure. Yeah, and I think uh, on the topic of using what is readily available, like, in your immediate circle or area, um... I've done a lot of research on, like, sustainable agriculture and, like, kind of sustainable food choices and stuff in that uh, arena. And even something as simple as eating locally or eating in-season fruits and vegetables can make a huge impact because vegetable, like, the foods don't have to travel so far uh, to get to your plate. So it uh, just reducing the travel t uh, distance that it takes to go from a farm to your uh a dinner plate or whatever will reduce a lot greenhouse gases quite significantly and also the food tends to be more nutritious and fresher in that respect so um and even in something sustainability often has a lot of ties to like the economy for example mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. economically something like eating locally or eating in season or using what you already have can really help like small businesses in your area or something and as an individual consumer that that type of choice could go a long way. For sure. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I think, and like, all that kind of together, um, <clears throat> sustainability is often framed as, like, this uh, rapid social change that needs to happen, and your life is going to be flipped on its head, especially mm -hmm. in, in politics. Um, but, I mean, that's, it isn't. And if we start with using what we have, there's a very base level line of doing that. Again, it's small. Uh, incremental behavior changes are the foundation of stability. And at some point, yeah, we're going to need big social changes if we're going to make a difference. Um, but that's not what we start with. Mm -hmm. I was, um, 
it's kind of hard because I was researching fashion again, and it's kind of hard to not be super angry at like big companies or want like immediate change or like to be able to get the, like the immediate satisfaction of not having these super large con- like companies making such a large environmental impact. But like Armand said, it's really about the small things. Um, like these super small differences in your life do make a difference, even if it may not seem like it. Oh, definitely. And I feel like sustainability just, there's this huge like sense of like hopelessness that can come with like, I mean, the new the news can get really overwhelming and hearing about all the different climate issues and uh, you can feel just like a s- small fish in a big pond, but uh, do, doing something so small can make a difference and there is a lot of hope in just individually changing your behavior and how that will play out in the future and uh, kind of create like a, a global societal change in that effect, I think, to put a little positive spin on it. For sure. I was reading this thing that was talking about how, you know, our well-being is like integrally, integrally, it's integral. (laughs) (laughs) You guys know what I'm trying to say. It's connected to the earth we live on. So there are fields like environmental psychology and stuff that research subjects like this. So our well-being is really connected to the environment we're in. And so our sustainability efforts aren't supposed to remove us from our well-being. They're not supposed to rob us of hope. They're not supposed to remove us from like the earth they're supposed to make us more connected with it so I thought that was really interesting oh definitely definitely and something I've found in my research and something just in my personal experience being a vegetarian I've heard a lot of different thoughts on for example eating less meat and specifically like red meats can sound like this huge impossible diet like you can never eat meat again you can never whatever but really it's it's not like it is reducing the amount of meat you do consume, but that doesn't necessarily mean like we were talking about earlier that you have to completely remove it, that you have to suffer in order to be sustainable. Like uh, there are ways that like by reducing my brain and mouth are not connecting today, <laughs> but like reducing the amount of meat uh, that you consume can change how much land, how much food, water, energy that it takes to raise livestock and kind of, and also to grow food for the livestock. So something, you don't have to completely eliminate meat or completely eliminate, but there are different ways that you can alter your behavior that don't, nec- that don't have to completely diminish your quality of life, but you can still contribute to being sustainable. Mm-hmm, yeah. for sure. Um, I Something that you guys were saying just made me think briefly of like, the PBSL definition of sustainability. I can't remember the whole thing, so don't. I'm not going <laughs> to cite it off. But, like, there's a part of it that really struck a chord with me, which was, like, basically, you know, having these sustainable actions while still living a fulfilling life. Yeah. Uh, that is the part that, like, it was really key to me. Because you can still, like, do all of these things. Like, one person is not going to change the entire system. So, like, if you have red meat every once in a while or, like, you go buy something in a store, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you're not going to, like, destroy the planet. But it's about, like, you know, living a fulfilling life while also being conscious of what you're doing. Yeah, and I think those behaviors definitely don't need to be... Um, you can have indir- indirect effects on sustainability as well. My research mm-hmm. was on um, voting in local elections. So, um, obviously, college students, a lot of them aren't eligible to vote yet, but... When you do become eligible, it's a little bit daunting, um, especially because, you know, you have an effect on your local and state and national politics. Um, 
and I think we're all like familiar with our presidential candidates' view on climate legislation, and you know, climate legislation in the White House is always up in the air and constantly changing, um, and it can seem bleak at times when, when nothing is going through, but um, local elections, which get a much lower turnout, actually, um, are almost like the low-hanging fruit of politics because um, your local reps have a lot of say in sustainability. They control um, transportation, they could like making, you know, public transportation available, uh, bike lanes, walking lanes, um, they control energy, right? How it would like permits and stuff for buildings, uh, what energy is used. So um, just doing something as simple as voting on a local election day, right? I mean, how that's, you know, in terms of impacting your life, right? That's just, you know, you take a, you go to your local poll and you vote and, and it can be, it can be that much to, to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I feel like some people, I'm from like a really small town. So I feel like some people struggle with that is like not knowing if they're like lawmakers are really into like the environmental game. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's like, that's the beauty of like small politics like that is that you can make them like, right. there's like only so many people that vote for them. And if you really get people excited about environmental stuff and you go talk to them, they pretty much, if they want to stay in office, they got to make it happen. So like people really do have the power to make change in small elections. Right. And oh. even in your local uh, group, it's just such a small group of people, right? Like a small group of people can sway a local election. I mean, mm -hmm. it's happened everywhere from, you know, small towns to New York City, right? Mm -hmm. um, I just remember when uh, Bill de Blasio got elected as new, uh, mayor of New York City, it was like 700,000 people came out to the election. Like that's it in a city of like... Eight, Nine million. Nine million, yeah. So a very small number chose the, uh, you know, the most one of the most powerful mayors in the country, so... Um, it's, you know, there's room for, for some change to happen well, there. For sure. And I think sometimes, especially like in local politics, they don't necessarily get advertised as much as uh, national elections, but you, you do have that power. And it's a lot easier to get in touch with local officials or local may like mayors mm -hmm. and stuff like that to start creating that change and set a foundation for other... Um, other cities, uh, states to fall back on or to use to promote their uh, local politics, and I think that's such a su something that gets overlooked really easily. I think it's really worth noting. For sure. Um, should we talk about like actionable items that yes. like students can do to change their behaviors? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll start with something super simple because I feel like a lot of people. You know, fashion is a part of our everyday lives. We should all be wearing clothes to school. So, like, I mentioned that triangle earlier, and I did not actually, like, say all the six things. So I guess I will. Like I said, the, like, the biggest part is, like, use what you have. But, like, up from then, it goes, like, borrow. So, like, borrowing from friends, family, um... Yeah, I, it's really easy. I feel like a lot of people overlook this for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why. But, like... I feel like if someone were to ask me to borrow clothes, I would not be opposed to that. Anyways, and then it goes, like, swap, thrift, make, and buy. Um, so I feel like keeping these super small ideas in mind um, with, like, the thought that, like, buying things should sort of be, like, the last resort. Like, take advantage of the resources you have close to you to, like, build up communities. Um, like, sharing clothes um, is super easy, but it also is important, I feel. For sure. And I think, like, it's so important, like, sometimes people can see those activities, like, chores, almost. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like it's so important to, like, think about it. Like, make it fun. Make it interesting. You know? Like, 
have an embroidery party with your friends mm-hmm. or like a clothing trade or just really find ways to like make it enjoyable for people. Um, yeah, environmental and economic benefits. Yeah, with for buying sure. at the cop, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I guess uh, transitioning to more uh, food and agricultural type, um, I had touched on earlier eating locally, eating in season, especially in Ann Arbor. We have our very own campus farm that you can get yeah. fresh food, fresh fruits and vegetables. So big shout out to them for all their great work that they do. Um, <laughs> and then also uh, Ann Arbor has its own farmer's market in Carytown, And I believe it's, I know it's open Saturdays. It's open Wednesdays as well. Yeah. Saturdays and Wednesdays. So... There's some pretty easy ways. And then also, uh, we ta- had talked about earlier, eating less less meat and the inverse of that, eating a more plant-based type, uh, eating more plants and plant-based proteins. And even something as simple if you're on a meal plan at U of M, U of M does a lot of, does meatless Mondays, so they'll significantly yeah. decrease the amount of meat that's sold in the dining, or that's given out in the dining facilities. So that's... A pretty easy way when you're grabbing your food, just maybe one day a week, don't don't grab meat. And then just in general being sustainable when you are shopping for food, using reusable bags instead of plastic bags yep. can make a huge difference as well. I feel like this is something really small, but it just made me think of that. I will also <laughs> say like the dining hall does a pretty good job of like judging up their tofu. Like their tofu tastes pretty good. So it really does. does. And they, like, <laughs> jerk tofu. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. No. no? Oh, that sounds good. I think we had that the other day. It was, it was Wait. really good. Wait. Oh, okay. You guys should you guys should try it. Anyways, go. go. Well, I, I was just going to say like in Mojo at least, there's like always some sort of vegetarian alternative. I'm not even vegetarian, but I do like their tofu. They just make it really good. So, yeah. that's like something super simple that still Mm-hmm. makes a difference for sure yeah all of my roommates except for one are vegetarian but because we're the only ones who cook she's just kind of become vegetarian <laughs> so I think it's really about like the people around you and like their behaviors like mm-hmm. um I know so many people who decided to like go vegan or like become vegetarian or stop drinking milk or whatever just because someone around them like they see someone doing it you know mm-hmm. and so I feel like the importance of that can't be understated or overstated. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> I guess on uh, in terms of like not necessarily lifestyle change, but actionable items um, in terms of political things. Obviously, voting is one thing, but um, do a little research on on your local candidates. See what their views on the environment are. It won't take long. It's, it's all uh, public information. Um, before you vote, just go look it up, uh, call a local legislator. I'm sure, I mean, more of them are climate sympathizers than you think, I'm betting. So I just, (laughs) I I would hope. Um, but yeah, just, just call them, call, call your, uh, state office, you know, just little things like that, especially in local politics have, uh, a larger impact than we tend to think. Oh, definitely. If you're scared of calling, you can email your representative mm-hmm. and they still have to listen to you. Yes. But they make sure not to use a template because I know they read the ones with templates less. Oh, so, that's interesting. Fun fact. Oh. <laughs> because if they ha- I'm pretty sure they have programs like, because you know how there are a lot of like programs that will be like, just put your name here and we'll send this email to this representative. Mm-hmm. But I think they have ways of being like, okay, if it's just a template, like I'm not going to, like if I have like, 20,000 emails that look the same, I'm not gonna, you know what I mean? But if you were able to make, like, 
write personal letters to your representatives, like, that's definitely mm -hmm. a really big thing. This is, sure. a, this is kind of a weird anecdote, but when I was in fourth grade, um, my, <laughs> my fourth grade teacher would make us write, uh, she would, every class that went through, she would make them write a letter to our uh, state rep trying to make the tart cherry the official fruit of Michigan. <laughs> and every class that came through, every student would write one. And that's right, Diane Slavens. And I looked it up the other day. The cherry, as of last year, is the official state fruit wow. of Michigan. Wow. So, yeah. She did it. She did it. Yeah, it's very exciting. So even things like that, they apparently someone somewhere, they got through to them. So yeah. I, I would like to think, uh, as an elected official, um, they they want to hear what the community, what community what their constituents and what their community cares about. So yes. if you let them know that you are, inter are interested in developing climate policies or that you want to see more out of your local climate policies, they're elected to be a voice for you in that election. So mm -hmm. don't understate, overstate, whatever the word was. Yeah. <laughs> like individual actions by themselves, like if you eat meat once, like that's not going to be the ultimate cause of climate change, but individual actions from a lot of people can ultimately change infrastructure. They can change the policy of, like, companies, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, there are behaviors you can do that will make a difference. Yeah, so on a lighter note, Jade, you've been talking a lot about Fat Bear Week recently. Every time I see you, you've been keeping me updated. You wore bear sweaters. You know, you got to tell me what's going on. They have, they do like a March Madness bracket of the fattest bears, right? And um, you basically <laughs> vote. It's like a week-long thing. You vote for like what you think is the fattest bear. And then it ended Tuesday, October 5th. And basically... <laughs> Otis won. Otis is this like really old. Yes, yes. I feel like we need to have Otis. is a really good bear. He's like a really fat bear and he's old, right? So he gets kicked out of spots a lot. He might be ready to kick the bucket. We don't know yet. Anyways, he just sits in the water and he just like stares at the salmon. But he's a good fisher. Like he doesn't like rapidly go after fish. He waits for the fish to come to him. I feel like wow. we need to have like this, an urgent Jay, breaking news. So yeah, good. this is perfect this for is, you to end it. Yeah. Oh, it is? It's amazing. Uh, it's on the tape. Just to wrap things up, here's Cameron, the glue of our team, our cultural organizer, with a fun fact. Hey, I'm Cameron. Hi, Cameron. Hi, Hi Cameron. Hi, Cameron. <laughs> um, so today's fun fact is about fungi. Um, how do I say this succinctly? So all trees in the forest, or at least 80%, um, communicate through fungi in their roots. So they will share nutrients, especially when one is in need or is weaker they will share, and the fungi will benefit by getting, I think, sugars and just some kind of food and protection. Um, and I learned that 80% of plants have this relationship, are using the fungi to communicate and act as one kind of community. So, wow. That is so cool. Humans should be like that. We yeah, should right? all be like that. It's such a good metaphor. Like, fungi be showing love and like, yes. <laughs> acting like one thing. So That was amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to yeah. episode two. Thank you. Woo. Catch us yeah. soon. Catch us. <laughs> yes. yes. Live like fungi. Yeah. <laughs>